The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Well, good morning. Take your Bibles with me. Turn to Mark chapter 9. Let's all stand. We'll begin reading at verse number 17. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him. And he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answereth him and saith, O faithless generation, How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came upon him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him, But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus saith unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Let's pray. Lord, as we gather in this place today and and read these words, we're we're reminded, Father, of, of really how many things afflict us and how many times we are troubled. And Father, uh, how many times we, we fail in our faith. So we ask that as we study this word this morning, as we look at these verses, that you would strengthen us. As this Father cried out, help our unbelief. Teach us today Glorify yourself in all that will be said in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So we have this we have this father who has a son who's demon possessed. And this child is uh, is brought before the disciples, and the disciples couldn't could not cast him out. Uh, and so the Lord returns from his journey and the father of this child is, is there, and he brings the child to Jesus and says, uh, you know, tells him, Lord, I got my child here. He's, he's possessed by this evil spirit, and can you help us? I tried, father said, I tried to get your disciples to do this, but they couldn't do it. And Jesus expressed there a little, a little bit of a, a, you might say, a little bit of frustration with the faithlessness of the people. Of his own disciples, their faithlessness, that they couldn't do something about this. And he he tells his father, if you can believe, if thou canst believe, all things are possible. And the father says, well, Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. So my question this morning is this. How many of us here experience what this father experiences? How many of us here, I don't want you to raise your hands, I don't want you to feel uneasy, but how many, just think to yourself, how many, how many of us here have those moments, those lapses of doubt? Those moments in our life when we just fail in, in our belief, 
Well, I think if, we're, if we would be honest, we would have to say every one of us often face this. We believe in God, we believe in Jesus, but there's still that lingering doubt. That nagging little voice in the back of our head that says, really? Do you really believe that? Do you really think so? I know I, I, I face that in my life, I'm, and I have no doubt you face it in yours. So this morning, I, I would like to consider some, some helpful admonitions when we face these episodes of doubt. I wonder, Steve, could you kill these monitors? They're, they're echoing in my ear here. It's kind of annoying to me. I want to consider some admonitions that will help us when we face these moments of doubt in our lives. So I have three thoughts. I'm going to try to be brief. I'm going to try to get us out of here in record time today. Number one, what do you do when doubt creeps into your life? What do you do in those times when you're just struggling? And, and you, just, you just really, you come to the point where you're saying, Lord, I don't know what to do. Number one, walk by faith and not by sight. Sounds like a simple thing, right? Seems like an easy thing, right? But it's not so easy. It's not so simple. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 tells us, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The hard thing about faith is you can't touch it. But to a believer, it has substance. My faith is real. I feel the presence of Christ in my life. My, my faith has, has, has real substance. It's tangible. It's something that I can literally spiritually lean on and rest, rest upon for my strength. It's a hope in unseen things. I've never seen Jesus. Any of you ever, have any of you ever seen Jesus? I've, ne- I've never seen Jesus. I know there's some preachers running around this country that say they have, but I haven't. I've never seen Jesus. I didn't see the cross. I didn't see Calvary. I didn't see Stephen stoned to death. I didn't see Paul beheaded. I didn't see any of these things. All I have is my faith. I have my faith that they're real. I have my faith that they're true. So, faith. This father had faith. He, he had enough faith to take his son to Jesus. He had enough faith to believe that Jesus could heal his son. So then why did Jesus say, if thou can believe? You, th- you might think, well, Jesus obviously knew this man had faith. He came to him. He, he brought his son to him. See, Jesus knows all things, and Jesus knew that he had doubt. Jesus knew that though this man had enough faith to come to him, And though he had enough faith to bring his son to him, and though he had enough faith to to depend on the Lord to heal his son, Jesus knew that this man still had doubt. He doubted. And that's why Jesus said, if thou canst believe. He had that lingering doubt. But what I want you to see is that he didn't allow that lingering doubt to keep him from going to Jesus. As others we see in scripture. Let's turn together to Mark chapter 2. Just turn back a, a few verses. Mark chapter 2. 
Mark chapter 2. And look at verses 3 through 5. Mark chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. We read here, And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. We see here four men who, who had faith. They had faith. They, they knew that if they got their sick friend to Jesus, that Jesus could heal him. Jesus could cure him of his, of his sicknesses. So these four, they did not let obstacles keep them from getting to Jesus. They did not allow the obstacles. What were the obstacles? Well, first of all, they, the obstacles of carrying him around in a bed. And then secondly, so many people at the door, they couldn't get in. They could have gotten there and said, oh, well, you know, we'll try to catch him next time maybe. And could have turned around and went home. They didn't do that. What they actually did was climbed up on the roof of the house and tore a hole in the roof. Ripped the roof off. And lowered their friend in, in his bed down to, to Jesus. Now that, that, that takes a lot of faith, don't you think? They didn't let obstacles keep them from Jesus. I see so many Christians today who let the least little things keep them from doing what, what God has called them to do. Keep them from doing what they know they ought to do. But these four men didn't let obstacles get in their way. If they would have woke up in the morning, it would have been raining. They, they wouldn't have stayed. Uh, so, well, it's raining today. We'll just stay home. If there was an earthquake an hour before, they wouldn't have said, oh, well, there was an earthquake. We better stay home. They weren't going to let nothing keep them from getting their friend to Jesus because that's where he needed to be. Why? Because Jesus was the one that could save him. They, they believed that. They believed it. They had faith. And they wouldn't let the things they could see keep them from doing the things they knew they ought to do. So often God's word speaks to us, but we fail to trust it because we don't see the solution. Your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. Your heart can deceive you. Don't trust them. The Holy Spirit never deceives you. The word of God never deceives you. Trust it. Believe it. Have faith in it. It was the faith of these four men. And, and overcoming all the obstacles that the Lord saw and recognized their faith. This father, though he, though he had doubt, he believed that Jesus was able to heal his son. Now tell me, what is... What is it that is fueling your doubt today? What is it that causes you to have those lapses and those moments when you just not really, you just, you just, you, you believe in God, you believe in the Lord, but that little lingering doubt, what is it that fuels that? Whatever it may be, we must learn to live by faith in the word of God. Thus saith the Lord. We must make our decisions in life based upon the unchanging, true principles of God's word. And don't make our decisions based upon what we can see with our fallible eyes. 
because the devil will try to deceive you. He will try to cause you to, to look at things with human eyes and make decisions rather than look at things with spiritual eyes by faith in the word of God and make your decisions. This was a large part of, of the problem that Lot had. How many of you remember Lot? Hmm? Lot and Abraham, as, as they grew in wealth, the servants of Lot began to dispute with the servants of Abraham and then contention grew and grew and grew until finally it reached the point where Abraham told Lot, he said, choose you one direction and I'll go the other. And Lot chose with his eyes. Remember that? Genesis chapter 13, we read, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou cometh unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. What Lot should have done is he should have corrected his servants and said, honor the man of God, honor Abraham, and submit to him. But instead, he used his eyes and he made a choice that ultimately led to his demise. He didn't, he didn't walk by faith. He walked by sight. And we must be so very careful. When we come to those times in our life when, when doubt is creeping in, don't trust what you see. Trust the true living word of God. Trust and depend upon his principles in your life. So when doubt creeps in, remember to walk by faith and not by sight. But then number two, when doubt creeps in, trust in the Father and not in self. Trust in the Father and not in self. I draw upon Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 for this point. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Trust in the Lord, and not in your own understanding. Now, Think about that for a moment. Where do we get our understanding? Anybody have any ideas where we get that? Well, we get them from our own experiences, right? We go through life and we experience things. and We, we draw upon those experiences to understand the things that's happening in our lives. We, we draw upon the experience of others. Maybe you don't experience this yourself, but maybe a family member, maybe a close friend went through this and they experienced this. And so you, you, use, you, you trust in, in your understanding of this situation based upon their experiences. Well, maybe, maybe it's from lessons that we've been taught. Maybe, maybe in, a, in, a, in a situation in our life, we draw upon the things that we've been taught, the mentorship that we've received, maybe from a teacher or, or from, a, from some, someone at work or someone that we respect. 
We, 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 we base our understanding upon those things that we've been taught. And these are not bad things to draw upon, right? These are not bad things to develop our understanding. But these are fallible sources. They're fallible sources of wisdom and knowledge. There's only one source of wisdom and truth. Only one. And you know what it is. In John chapter 17 and verse 17, Jesus prayed to the Father and said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So the only source of truth in the universe is God the Father. All other understanding is fallible. All other understanding, all other wisdom, all under truth, other truth, all other knowledge is corruptible. Only that which we gain from the Father can we, can we trust. Now this father needed to get help for his son. And he knew and he understood what the temple priests had told him to do. And he knew and he understood what his family and friends probably told him to do. I'm sure everybody had an opinion, right? I don't know. He comes to, I don't know what to do about, about my son. Well, do A, B, C, X, Y, Z. Right? Go to the temple priest. What do I do? Well, you give us more money and we'll pray for him. Everybody had an opinion as to what he needed to do. And he knew that. He even knew and understood what the Lord's disciples had told him to do. <laughs> but his trust was not in these things. His trust was in Jesus. In this particular instance, he did not lean unto his own understandings. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't trust all of the, the understanding he had gained from all of the people he talked to and spoke with. He trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ and him only to heal his son. We know this because he came to the Lord. He brought his son to Jesus and said, please heal him. Help us. But in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 6, notice the words that we read of Solomon. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Solomon said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean unto your own understanding. In everything you do, acknowledge God and let him lead you. That's a paraphrase of what Solomon is saying. In everything you do, acknowledge God. That's the problem right there. That's the problem right there. In America, most Christians don't acknowledge God anymore. They believe in him. They know about him. But they don't acknowledge him. Because if we truly acknowledged God, we wouldn't do one-third of the things we do. Think about that for a moment. Now, what does it mean? What, how do we acknowledge God? I got two things I want to say about you acknowledging God. First is to submit to his sovereignty. In Mark chapter 8, verse 29, Jesus is talking to Peter. He says, and he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Peter answered and saith unto him, thou art 
the Christ. If we are going to acknowledge God in our life, then we're going to have to submit to his sovereignty. Now, there are a lot of there are a lot of people who claim to be Christians today who run around and they say, well, Jesus is my Savior, but he's not my Lord. Shame on them. How can Jesus be your Savior and not your Lord? I don't understand that. Can anyone explain that to me? God is sovereign. What does it mean to be sovereign? It means to be supremely in power. And no, God answers to no one. He he, he, he counsels with no one. God is sovereign. He is supreme. He stands alone. And you and I, if we are going to acknowledge God, we must submit to his sovereignty. We must understand and realize my life is not my own. I'm bought with a price. God has every right to, to control me and, to, and to, to dictate to me what I will and when I do, I'm so tired. <laughs> Forgive me, my throat is giving me a little trouble. I'm so tired of Christians who say, well, nobody's going to tell me what to do. What if your children came up to you and said that? Hmm? What if your child walked up to you and looked you in the face and said, you're not going to tell me what to do? You wouldn't like that, would you? You wouldn't accept that, would you? You'd do something about it, wouldn't you? I know I would have. But we do it to God all the time. We do it to him all the time. We go watch movies. I got people come to me and say, oh, go see this movie. It only has a few bad words in it. Huh? One bad word's too many. Amen? Oh, maybe I ought to park for a while. Have we lowered our sensitivity so much that we don't mind hearing that it doesn't bother us to hear those words, although we know that it's an offense to God? Are you submitting to his sovereignty when you lead a life like that? I don't think so. I don't think so. We need to learn to submit to God's sovereignty. God... You are first and foremost in my life. You control all things. I'll do whatever you want me to do. No matter what I want, you are supreme. You are sovereign. There's too many who don't submit to God's sovereignty today. But not only to acknowledge him do we submit to his sovereignty, but secondly, see I was trying to get off on the side trail there. We, accept his, we must accept his authority. You must submit to his sovereignty, then secondly... You must accept his authority. <clears throat> what happens to an employee on the job who doesn't, who doesn't accept the authority of his, of his uh, foreman or his manager or his supervisor? Somebody tell me what happens to that employee. He gets fired. And he should, right? Shouldn't he? He should get fired. If he doesn't agree with the authority that's over him, there's channels, there's ways to do that. He should get fired if he's rebelling against the authority that, that the owner of the company has put over him. <laughs> and we have, a, we have a generation of Christians running around who don't accept the authority of God. They want to be called his children, but they do not want to accept his authority in their life. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 8 and 9, we see an example of a man who understood God's authority. 
we read the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh, and to my servant do this, and he doeth it. You see, this soldier, this centurion, he understood. He was under authority. He had people over him, and he had people that was under him. He was an authority over others. So he understood the authority that was in his life. And we need to understand, you and I need to understand the authority of God in our lives. And we need to accept that authority. That will sometimes mean that we don't do what we want to do because we prefer to do what he's commanded us to do. We acknowledge the Father when we trust in his word. Even above our own understanding. Even when the word of God conflicts with what we want to do. We acknowledge God by submitting to his sovereignty and accepting his authority and and doing what he, he tells us to do. To overcome doubt, we must walk by faith and not by sight. Secondly, we must trust the Father and not ourselves. But then thirdly, <coughs> to overcome doubt, we must abide in the fellowship of the Savior. Abide in the fellowship of the Savior. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 3, we read, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, of course, we understand fellowship here means to, to be in a relationship with. You have friends, and you fellowship with those friends. You get together. Uh, some, my wife likes to get together with certain people, and they, they bake. I like that fellowship myself. I, I like that fellowship because she always comes home with desserts. And uh, I, I, I urge and encourage that fellowship. Have that fellowship often, maybe every week, I don't know. No. We fellowship here at church. We have, we have social gatherings sometimes at church. We come together for, for preaching and for teaching, and we fellowship. We, we have a relationship with one another. But how, how's our fellowship with the Savior? How's our relationship with the Lord? So often it's a clinical relationship. It's like a doctor. You only go see him when you're in trouble. Hmm? For most Christians, the only time they ever pray is when they have a desperate need. Oh, they might pray over a meal. They They might pray a little conciliatory prayer before they close their eyes, but to to sincerely come and 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 fellowship with the Lord and speak to him and talk with him. We need to have that time. We need to fellowship with the Savior. If we're going to overcome doubt, we need to remain in constant fellowship and in the right relationship with Christ. In John chapter 15 and verse 7, Jesus states, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Are you abiding with Christ today? 
Now, to abide with Christ requires that you live a life in harmony with him. In complete harmony with the Lord. Otherwise, you can't claim that you're abiding in fellowship with Christ. I'm sorry. You can't claim it. And Jesus states this himself. First, he states that we are in total submission to his will. If we're going to abide in Christ, we must be in harmony with the Lord, and we must be in total submission to his will. Jesus stated in John chapter 4, and verse 34, Jesus saith unto them, my, weed, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. They came to the Lord and said, said Jesus, eat. This is when Jesus met the woman at the well, and she ran back into town and, and to bring everyone, everyone from town to see Jesus. And Jesus is sitting there waiting, and the disciples come and say, eat. You got to eat. Jesus, eat. And Jesus said, I don't need food. My, my purpose is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Jesus, Jesus was in complete submission to the will of the Father. You say, yeah, but that was Jesus. But he was our example, was he not? We're to, what are, what are we supposed to be doing in our life? We're supposed to be growing to be like who? Like Jesus. Jesus was in complete submission to the will of the Father. Even to the death on the cross. Complete submission to the will of God. What about, what about us? What about you? What about me? Are we in submission to the will of God in every area of our life? Or do we, do we keep those little pet areas fenced off and we don't let Jesus in there? Hmm? To abide in fellowship with Jesus is to be in total submission to his will. But then secondly, it's that we are in total obedience to his word. We're in total obedience to his word. In John chapter 15 and verse 14, Jesus said, Ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. Listen, don't, don't sit here this morning and claim to be in fellowship with Christ if you're in disobedience to him. Don't do it. It pretty much would eliminate a lot of us from being in fellowship with Christ, wouldn't it? Because in some area of our lives, we're all in disobedience to God. And James said, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. And the truth is not in you. So we're in trouble this morning. Because we have areas of our life where we're not in obedience to Christ. Therefore, we're not in true fellowship with him. Does that, does that bother you? Does it bother you that you're sitting here and you're not in fellowship with Christ? It bothers me. It bothers me a lot. What about you? Let's do something about it, amen? Don't just sit, don't just sit here and listen to me and then get up and go on about your life and continue to live in disobedience to Christ. Go out and do something about it. I mean, if you don't, you're never going to have the confidence you need to have. You're, you're always going to live with this doubt in your life. You're never going to have complete faith and trust in Christ because you can't have fellowship with him and you can't trust him and have faith without fellowship. It's like when a child disobeys a parent. There isn't normal relationship, is there? 
there's tension, there's, there's a wall between you. And there's a wall between us and the Father, I'm afraid. And we need to tear that wall down and start learning to obey the Father. So we are in total submission to his will, we're in total obedience to his word, and then we're in total compliance to his way. Total compliance to his way. Jesus stated in John 17, 4, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. You see, in, 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 in firming these three points, I use Jesus' statements because Jesus is our example. And Jesus lived in total submission to the will of God. Even to the death of the cross, he, he lived in total obedience to the, to the word of God. And, and he complied with the work of God in every way. I glorified thee on earth, Jesus said. I finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Paul was, was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. You know, Paul was able to say that because he did. Can you say that? I mean, Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write that, so it has to be truth. Amen? But can I say that? Can I look at God and say, I finished my course. I kept the faith. I fought a good fight. Can I say that? I don't, I don't know. I don't know that I can. Can you? Well, we should be able to. I should be able to stand here right now and, and affirm that, but I can't. You should be able to stand up and affirm that. As long as we are in this corruptible body, we are going to have doubt. There's no, there's, there's no denying that. We're going to face doubt. But we can fight this, di- this doubt. By remembering. By remembering to live by faith and not by sight. By remembering to trust in the Father and not in ourself. And by remembering to remain in constant fellowship with Christ, our Savior. And God will bless us. And he will give us confidence. And he will give us strength. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Father, we believe. Help. Help our unbelief. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. And and Lord, uh, to say that we're human and imperfect is just an excuse. Because you've empowered us to walk in and righteousness you've you've changed us you've made us a new creature so that we can if we so choose walk in the image of Christ so we won't we're not going to sit here this morning and make excuses and say well you know we're doing the best we can we're only human and those are just lies father we believe but help our unbelief help us to live a life today that Help us to live by faith and not by sight. Let us learn to trust you and not not our own understanding. And help us to 
keep our life pure so that we can remain in fellowship with Jesus. Thank Thank you for those who have come. Bless us in this time. Encourage those who need to make changes in their life to make those changes. And bless us all today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronan Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.